Welcome back to the Entertainment Goes Pop podcast, where all things entertainment meet all things pop culture, where topics range anywhere between TV, movies, music, video gaming, sports. It's all fair game for discussion on this podcast. On this episode of the podcast, I've got thoughts on the season finale of The Amazing Race, HBO Max and Roku finally coming to a deal, Hilary Duff saying that the Lizzie McGuire reboot is over and not happening, some streaming service discussion, AP Bio being renewed, and more. So let's get right to it. A deal is finally in place between HBO Max and Roku to have HBO Max available on the Roku streaming service. This has been a major issue among subscribers and just people that want to be subscribers to where they, you know, Roku is, I don't know if they're top, but they're, you know, they're right up there in the top ranks of streaming devices. So HBO Max launches earlier this year and they're not available on Roku. And there's that was kind of quietly out there, you know, that people didn't really realize that it wasn't available until either they had already subscribed or if you did kind of research beforehand. Me, myself, I was super excited for HBO Max when I saw all their content, all the stuff they were coming out with. I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to sign up day one. I'm ready to check this out. And then the week before, I realized oh, people are talking like it's not going to be on Roku. And so I just kind of kept watching and kept watching, uh, seeing if they were going to work a deal out. And no deal worked out, and I didn't subscribe. You know, I was super pumped to jump on launch day with this thing. So, I mean, it's just some just random person out there that wanted to be an HBO Max subscriber this Roku deal hurt them as far as getting me as a subscriber, you know? So my story goes along with a lot of others that they, you know, they don't want to watch it on their phone or their desktop, you know, or whatever. They want to be able to put it up on their streaming device. And of course, if you've got other devices, it was up on some of them. There was others that they were still having conflicts with there too. And it was just a bad way to launch when you're not going to, you know, be available on one of the biggest streaming devices. So, you know, eventually Roku did work out a thing, you know, with AirPlay to where you could kind of work around it. That's something that just launched in like the last month or two to where you could do that. I mean, there's other ways where you can hook your laptop, you know, your computer up to your TV and mirror it or something, you know, to where you could do it. But I mean, it's going to be effort. (laughs) You just want to load up your app and watch it, you know? So this is a major deal that this is getting done. And I'm sure it has a lot to do with the fact that the new Wonder Woman movie is getting ready to be released in the next week. So I'm very sure that that had quite a bit of pull to where, you know, they needed to get this done both sides because there's too much money to lose on the Roku end and on the HBO Max end to where this movie's going to roll out. And then I've already talked about the big slate of movies that they've got ready to roll out on HBO Max in 2021. So this was something that needed to get done and needed to get done now. And they got it done. There's no details on what the what the deal was but it does sound like it was something that both sides were happy with so this is a major deal this is a hurdle that they have gotten over because there was a lot of criticism over that when you know you're looking to get out there with your new streaming service and you're out there in a world where there's so many of them and there's so much of that streaming content out there and then you don't have a deal in place with one of the biggest streaming devices, you know, that's, that's a tough hurdle to overcome coming right out of the gate. So 
it's been a long time coming, but I'm very thrilled that they have finally worked things out and made a deal and have gotten HBO Max available on Roku. Peacock Streaming Service has announced that they have picked up AP Bio for a fourth season. Um, AP Bio ran its first two seasons on NBC. It was canceled after season two. Then it was brought over for a season three exclusive to Peacock Streaming Service. The basic premise of the show is you have former, former college professor Jack Griffin who lost out on his dream job and he's forced to teach high school biology, which he completely hates, and he doesn't want to teach anybody or anything. And he's and he has a class full of people that desperately want to learn. It's a very funny concept. One of my friends actually told me about the show and got me watching it, and I got hooked pretty quickly. Um, season two, I think, has been my favorite season so far. Season three, I thought was, I like the back end of season three more than I did the front end of season three. And I know they were pinned production-wise, too, because on AP Bio podcast, they talked about how the wrestling episode that they did, talking about that they were shooting that episode right as everything was shutting down with the pandemic. So... I don't know if they got everything in for season three. I thought I heard them say on a podcast that they got cut a little short, that they never could resume production, if I remember that right. But yeah, season four is coming to Peacock. It was very, very unknown. There was kind of not really any knowledge of uh, what was going to happen with the show, if it was going to get picked up for a season four or not. So definitely excited it's going to get picked up. Uh, there's, I thought, like I said, I really enjoyed the end of season three. They had the Katie Holmes episode at, uh, at the end where it was Katie Holmes day or whatever it was called in, uh, in Ohio. It was pretty funny. Of course, uh, of course it was a playoff of that. And of course, Joey Potter, Dawson's Creek, she was my big crush in that era. So it was pretty funny to watch like a whole episode you know, based around Katie Holmes, Joey, Joey Potter, you know, kind of like celebrating her career and everything and doing it in a pretty clever way. So there was a lot of fun episodes in season three. I really like the back end, like I said, more than the front end, but definitely season two is my favorite and I'm looking forward to season four to see what comes of Jack Griffin. <laughs> you know, what are his latest adventures and with the students and everything. The students, oh my goodness, the students. They they really make the show for me, that class. They really make the show for me. It's just a really talented group. And each student is just their own character and their own personality and brings so much to the show. And you know, like I say, uh, that the students make the show for me. I, I just find their adventures... And their personality is very fun with how they play off of each other, play off of Jack. It's just, uh, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, season four coming to AP Bio in 2021. Back when Disney Plus was announced about a year ago, there was a lot of excitement in the announcements of content that was being released. A lot of excitement around the Star Wars stuff, around the Marvel stuff. But one thing that really had a lot of buzz and a lot of excitement among fans was the Lizzie McGuire reboot. This is the show that starred Hilary Duff back in the early 2000s that aired on Disney Channel. Uh, just had a huge following. It was a very big show for Disney Channel back in that era. Uh, I watched it. I watched that and even Stevens pretty well in that era. I loved both of those shows. I thought they were both a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. And there's a big generation of fans that grew up with Lizzie McGuire and were very excited for this show to return. And there was a lot of buzz on it. And unfortunately, it looks like it is done. It looks like it's not going to get off the ground 
And I mean, it's, this isn't really so much as news now. I mean, now it's like we got the official word from Hillary Duff, who posted on Instagram this week about it, uh, basically giving the final word on it that it's done. But I'm going to back up to uh, kind of how this all went down. Of course, right after the announcement was made, we never saw any footage from it, if I remember right. I don't think we ever saw any footage. The only thing I remember seeing was like leaked. Uh, well, I wouldn't say leaked, but like photos you know, where you could see that it was being produced. It was being shot, you know, and there was like cast pictures that we're seeing, you know, of some of the cast back together and things like that. But immediately this show got hit with creative decisions to where the vision that Disney had was that they wanted to keep the show more, you know, like the show was, you know, very kid friendly, very family friendly. Whereas you had Hillary Duff and Terry Minsky, who was a showrunner, uh, they wanted to take it more to an adult level. They wanted it to be, you know, more of like, okay, well, this is what Lizzie is doing at 30. You know, she's 30 years old now, and this is what we see like the adult version of Lizzie being. And I'm going to actually read what the official synopsis was for the show to kind of give you kind of a hint of where the show was wanting to go. Uh, Lizzie McGuire is just about to turn 30. She seemingly has it all. Her dream job is an assistant to a fancy New York City decorator, her dream guy in a picturesque Brooklyn apartment, but things aren't always as they seem. With a little help from her friends, her loving family, and her 13-year-old alter ego and animated form, Lizzie navigates the ups and downs of adulthood. So that's kind of where it was going. That was kind of the plan. And it seemed like whatever that they shot and whatever Disney saw, there were very conflicting... They didn't. Disney didn't like what the show was going to be. And... Terry Minsky was removed immediately. Hillary Duff really went on the offensive here to where she really wanted this to be a real deal of where Lizzie McGuire is at 30 years old. She didn't want it to be, you know, the Disney show that it was back in early 2000s. She wanted to evolve it. And to the point of that she pushed to get the show moved to Hulu. She tried to get some social media momentum and get some momentum behind that to get the show moved to Hulu to where they could go more adult with it and be be what she was wanting it to be. And it seemed like right after that, everything just kind of stopped. You know, once, once the changes kind of clashed and we saw Minsky removed and Hillary make those statements, you could just see that the show just kind of quietly stopped. Like, there wasn't any more news about it, and there was, like, all these unofficial reports that were kind of out there saying, it looks like this thing's done, like it's not going to go anywhere, that these uh, creative clashes have shut this thing down. So Hillary Duff confirmed this this week on her Instagram um, saying that this, this is over, you know, the show is over. I'm going to read what she posted on her Instagram. I've been so honored to have the character of Lizzie in my life. She has made such a lasting impact on many, including myself. To see the fans' loyalty and love for her to this day means so much to me. I know the efforts and conversations have been everywhere trying to make a reboot work, but sadly, and despite everyone's best efforts, it isn't going to happen. I want any reboot of Lizzie to be honest and authentic to who Lizzie would be today. It's what the character deserves. We can all take a moment to mourn the amazing woman she would have been and the adventures we would have taken with her. I'm very sad, but I promise everyone tried their best and the stars just didn't align. Hey now, this is what 2020's made of. It's a little play off that movie there, the song from the movie. That last quote. So yeah, I mean, she all... She confirms just in the statement that this is just straight up creative differences here with what this reboot was going to be. So it's a bummer because I, I was really excited to see because this was definitely something I was going to check out on Disney Plus because like I said, I watched it back in the day and enjoyed that show a lot. 
So I really wanted to see how it was going to evolve and, you know, the cast being back together. And this is definitely just a disappointing thing all around, you know, for for Hillary, the cast, the crew, uh, showrunners, you know, the fans, just everybody. This is, uh, nobody wins here. Nobody wins with this. And so, yeah, Hillary Duff confirming that the Lizzie McGuire reboot is officially off the table. If you're looking for some more streaming content, check out Pluto TV. Look up that app. I don't know how, as far as out there, Pluto TV is for, for people. It's, it feels like a lot of people really know what it is, and then I feel like there's others like I'll mention it to people and they won't they won't know what in the world I'm talking about. Pluto TV is another streaming service that's out there. It's free. It is completely free. Pluto has been around for several years now to where they basically they're live. It's live channels that you watch. Of course it used to just be live channels. Now they have on demand stuff you can do on demand with it now too. But they used to just do, you know, live streaming channels and you would flip through and do all that and pick what you want to watch. It was bought out in 2019 by CBS Viacom or Viacom CBS, whatever, <laughs> however you want to connect those two together. And then they really expanded it quickly by adding a lot of Nickelodeon stuff, MTV stuff, uh, Comedy Central, VH1. Just a spike. I think there's spike stuff up there. Uh, of course, CBS shows are up there. It's There's a lot of good content up there. And again, it's free. The only thing that is a bummer is that, and this, unless this has changed in like the last month or two, the only problem with, uh, with Pluto is not being able to see out in advance. Like, you can only look at the guide on your app, and you can only expand so far is how it was. But now that I think about it, it seems like maybe here lately I did see where it is now expanding out. That was the one kind of criticism on it for a while, is that you could only look up two hours ahead of what you were watching. I don't even know if you could go to two hours but I think it seems like I tried it like a couple of weeks ago and it was actually expanding further because I was trying to see when something was going to be on. But yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on there. And again, it's free. Um, there's a Survivor channel on there where they air old Survivor seasons. They just run them, you know, just run them on this channel. They have an Amazing Race channel on there as well where they run old Amazing Race seasons. MTV jumps around with a lot of stuff they air. They'll they run uh, old seasons of the Real World on there a bunch. I've seen, uh, I believe, New York, San Francisco, uh, Los Angeles, London. I believe those are the only four I've seen that have aired. And it was on one of those MTV channels that airs on there. They they rotate. It doesn't rotate. Uh, I mean, it doesn't air real world all the time. You just kind of have to watch these channels and see what they're kind of rotating around. They air a lot of old movies. There's, If you flip around, there's movies. And, of course, on the left side of the screen on your guide, you're going to have different genres where it's like here's your category for all your sports. Here's They have live news on there, too. If you want to check out live news, there's different news channels on there that you can check out. Uh, entertainment, they have a reality TV section, they have a music section to where you can listen to music and watch music if you want to. Uh, I know they have, they have, they aired 90210 episodes. There's a, uh, there's a channel that airs, they rotate 90210 and Melrose Place. And I'm not even talking about just like the 90s 90210, I'm talking about the the uh, reboot, you know, the 90210 reboot that aired in the like around 2008-9, kind of in that era. There's a, uh, they kind of rotate those two different 90210 shows. There's one channel that uh, will sometimes late at night, they rotate Dawson's Creek and Party of Five to where you can watch those shows. They'll, 
there for a while, for about a week, I was watching uh, back-to-back episodes of Dawson's Creek every night because <laughs> I got hooked because I, w- I hadn't seen it in so long. I got hooked and was was watching that. And uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of cool content. I just don't know how how uh, well-known Pluto is. I feel like it's out there, but it's not like fully out there to be getting people's attention. I mean, there's old, there's a, I used to watch, when I first started watching Pluto, I was watching old game shows. There's a network on there that, uh, there's a channel that's just straight up old game shows from like the 70s, 80s, and I thought that was fun to watch. But yes, it is absolutely free. It costs nothing. Download the app and just start scrolling channels and just see what you can find on there. It's it's a lot of fun. You know, it's something that a lot of times I'll do if I'm just sitting around, you know, if I'm eating or something, I just want to find something that I don't really have to put a lot of attention into. You know, if I just want to watch something that I've seen before that I love, you know, like a lot of classic shows or something that I love favorites of mine, and I just want to put it on and just watch, you know, and not really have to concentrate on a story, you know, of something new that I haven't seen that I have to follow. You know, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy Pluto, especially if you don't have a lot of options as far as, like if you're a if you're a cord cutter, you know, and you don't have you don't have cable or satellite or anything like that, and you want some more free content, you know, like a YouTube kind of like that. If you want something for free content, jump over to Pluto TV. I think you'll really enjoy it, and I think you'll find something on there that you'll love to watch. One reboot that does appear to be getting off the ground is Night Court. Uh, Deadline had an article this week saying that there appears to be a reboot underway for Night Court by NBC. Uh, John Larroquette's going to be involved, and the story is going to center around a judge named Abby Stone, who is, of course, going to be the daughter of Harry Stone, who was played by Harry Anderson back on the original The writer involved is Dan Rubin from The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and it's going to be executive produced by Melissa Rausch of The Big Bang Theory. So this will be an interesting thing to follow to see where this goes with Night Court. Uh, Big story here by Deadline. Uh, Night Court's a show I loved growing up. uh, I watched a lot of it in reruns and everything. Uh, The local affiliate here... They used to, uh, years after it aired, they would air uh, reruns like all night on Friday nights. They'd run like five or six episodes in a row. I guess they just like took their whole syndication week that they had and then they just piled all the episodes on that one night, which I enjoyed. I enjoyed watching it. It was kind of a kind of become a tradition where I would watch the reruns of that show quite a bit. So we'll see how. It seems like they're very early on into this Night Court reboot. So Deadline had the story first, and see how this goes. The cast of Wayne's World was reunited lately on the Reunited Apart series that Josh Gad has been hosting on YouTube. If you haven't been watching this, he has basically been... Through the pandemic, since the pandemic started and shutdown happened, he has been doing this series called Reunited Apart, reuniting cast of movies, and of course virtually, and he's really been working his way through the 80s, and it's it's really a fun, fun series. Um, of course, the one I watched first was the Back to the Future cast, that was a lot of fun. And he just has such a good time interviewing them and talking to them. The Ferris Bueller's Day Off was really fun. The Goonies one was really fun. He's he's done others besides those. Those are the ones that I've watched. And then I watched this Wayne's World one. Uh, this was a lot of fun. And it's, you know, I would name everybody that he had on this, but I can't really think of anybody that he didn't have. I mean, it was even introduced, even in the first sequence of this, uh, Joe Perry and Steven Tyler from Aerosmith are on here 
you know, to play off of that. So, I mean, really everybody was involved here, even where they got Queen on here, you know, to talk about Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, it started off with Mike Myers and Dana Carvey, Joe Perry and Steven Tyler, all, you know, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey being in character. So that was a fun way to start with them being in character. And of course they bring in producers, cast members, musicians that were involved in it. Uh, Mike Myers talks about how, you know, he did Wayne's World. It was something that he performed at Second City and that he that just gained momentum and took it over to SNL and then it got going there and became something that was very popular. Uh, just different things that we kind of learned in there, just little tidbits of scenes, you know, such little things like uh, Mike Myers talking about, you know, the airplane scene where uh, Wayne and Garth are laying on top of the car and they're watching, you know, the airplanes fly like right overhead. And he said that that was, Mike said that that was something that he actually did when he was a kid in Toronto that that was based off of something real. And there's just a lot of good content in here as far as, uh, you know, some kind of behind the scenes of ideas for some of the scenes in the movie and everything. And they talk about Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, the song by Queen. I mean, if you if you know anything about this movie, you know the scene I'm talking about. And, you know, I dare say, and they kind of alluded to this, but I dare say that I don't think that song is as popular as it is now without Wayne's World. Because, I mean, the song was out way before Wayne's World, obviously. But this song being put in such a perfect scene with that song took that song of Bohemian Rhapsody and just escalated it to the next level. And they actually talked about that in this uh, in this reunion that uh, they said that Paramount was actually having trouble getting the rights you know that they that they wanted to use the song like they were all like we yeah we have to have the song it's perfect for the scene and Paramount was saying that they were having trouble getting the rights to it and they were told basically like we'll get it get the rights and get this done because we have to have this song for the scene and that they actually cleared it two days before that they shot that scene and they said they bring on queen and they talked about that freddie mercury actually they let him see the clip of it he saw the clip of it before he passed away so he actually did get to see that scene and they said that he absolutely loved it and that he felt he had been trying to figure out, you know, wanting to be able to get Queen back to America. And he felt like this was going to be the way to do it, was this movie. And that he was just thrilled with that scene, and he loved it. And Mike Myers, you know, his reaction to that was like, wow, I've, I've never heard that. I did not know, I did not know that story that, you know, of him seeing it before he passed, and how thrilled he was, you know, and how he saw that as you know, something that was going to help get Queen, you know, back with popularity back in America. So, I mean, that scene is so perfect. I mean, I've had, like, one of my friends growing up, he would reenact that all the time, That's uh, that song. And, of course, you know, everybody does the headbanging to that and just reenacts the whole scene from that movie, but... I just, I don't think that song's as popular as it is without that movie of Wayne's World. And there's just a lot of, like, pop culture references in this movie that continue on. Of course, it did two. You know, it wasn't just one. There was a sequel. I liked Wayne's World too as well. I thought it was a good movie. But there's a lot of lines. I still say, game off. Game on. You know, I still say that. And it's been what, almost 30 years? <laughs> and I still say that line. There's still several lines from that movie that I just say just on the random. You know, that's a movie I didn't actually see in theaters. That was something that I rented on video at the time when it was released. Of course, I wanted to see it, and then when it showed up in video stores, uh, rented it, watched it, loved it. Same with Wayne's World 2. I didn't see it in the theaters either. 
saw it when it was released on VHS. Own, I still own both of them on VHS. Yeah, I made sure to pick them up on VHS when they were available to buy. So yeah, it was a fun thing getting the Wayne's World cast back together. And but definitely check out the Reunited Apart series. Not just this. I mean, it's it's the Back to the Future reunion. It's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The Goonies, I think they did Ghostbusters, uh, just so many different ones. And they're very fun. You get a lot of good information. It's good seeing everybody back together. And so look that up. It's on YouTube, Reunited Apart by Josh Gad. Just Google or just uh, YouTube search Reunited Apart. and You'll probably land on the channel or land on one of those movies. And you can dig around and watch all of them. So I think you'll really enjoy it, especially when you find some movies in there that you really love. You're going to have a blast seeing them all back together in whatever reunion that you pick to watch. Talked a few weeks ago about the Saved by the Bell podcast that is going on where it's Mark Paul Gossler and Dashiell Driscoll going through and watching old episodes of Saved by the Bell as the the concept of the show, of the podcast, is that Mark Paul Gosselaar has never seen these episodes, so he's going back and watching them, and they're doing watch-alongs, and then also bringing on guests. Recent podcasts, they had on Tiffany Thiessen, to where they talked about the prom episode from season two. Just a very good listen. I just, I really enjoyed that. It just seemed like they had a lot of fun on the podcast talking about the episode, talking to one another. It was just a, such a cool Mark Paul, Tiffany Thiessen reunion. Just some little highlights I'm going to talk about from the podcast and listening to it. Of course, they talked about by the time this was recorded, you know, the new Say by the Bell has run. And they enjoy it. They seem to really like it. They seem to like their experience on the new on the new show where they got to do some appearances on there. One thing that was interesting, uh, Tiffany talks about her husband, that she said that her husband has never seen Saved by the Bell, ever. And so this, the new show, he watched the first episode of it, and this was basically his introduction to Saved by the Bell, and he really gave it a positive review, saying that he thought it was he thought it was good, that it was funny, that it was enjoyable. So definitely got a big thumbs up from somebody that wasn't familiar, you know, with the show growing up. There's some interesting things that they talked about in this episode that I didn't know about as far as like the casting and the ideas for what they wanted Kelly Kapowski to be. And Tiffany really gave some good info here of stuff that I just did not know. For one, she tells the story that there was actually, it was down to three people for that role. It was her, Elizabeth Berkeley, and Jenny Garth. I didn't know, I had not heard that at all, that Jenny Garth was that close to being Kelly Kapowski. I did not know that at all. Of course, Jenny Garth at that time she was everywhere on TV shows. Of course, she got 90210 like right after this, but you know, she would do guest appearances. Like she was a guest appearance on Growing Pains just right before this time period. And she you'd see her bounce around to different shows. So she was definitely busy out there in Hollywood. And they said and Tiffany tells a story with Elizabeth Berkeley that they liked her so much, even though they didn't cast her for Kelly, that they liked her so much that they, they, she thought they just, you know, made the character of Jesse, you know, specifically for Elizabeth to put Elizabeth in the show, which I just thought was just the ultimate compliment, you know, that if they liked you that much to where they're like, we've got to make a character for her to make sure she's in the show. And one thing they talked about too was that Tiffany talks about how the producers wanted to make sure that Kelly Kapowski was a very like good likable character because she said that a lot of that the producers said that a lot of the popular girl characters that were on TV just weren't very nice they weren't seen as very nice characters and that they were bound and determined that they wanted to make Kelly the opposite and they wanted to make her a very likable and like somebody you want to cheer you know 
And of course, this episode here, you know, it features, there's a lot of like what they talked about in the podcast with relationship progression to where, you know, you have the moment to where uh, Kelly and Zach aren't able to go to the prom because we find out that Kelly's family is struggling with money. And the dad, she gives the prom money that she was going to use for prom, she gives it to her dad to use. And of course, there's a big funny rant about this on the podcast, uh, Mark, Paul and Tiffany saying, what kind of family does this kind of thing anyway? It's like, what kind of father would take away you know, money from their kid? You know, and they kind of go into a funny kind of discussion and rant about that. And but, you know, the, of course, the story ends up being that Zach finds out what's going on because he's just like, well, you can't figure out why Kelly doesn't want to go to the prom. Why does she change her mind? And then he finds out what's going on. He puts together a prom thing, you know, in the backyard where they can do like a picnic together. And that is like a bonding experience for them and to progress Zach and Kelly, you know. But also with that, we also have the Slater-Jesse relationship that starts to progress in this episode too. So this was really a great episode as far as, you know, a lot of a lot of building in these characters for Saved by the Bell. So this was a really fun podcast to get stories on and get their opinions on. And from everything from everything I've heard in like that next episode, they said that this episode of the podcast was very well received and very popular. Uh, having Tiffany on there and just the reunion and the storytelling and the background stories that we got. If you want to check out the podcast, it is Zach to the Future. That is the name of the podcast. You can look that up on all your podcast platforms and check that out. The episode that I'm talking about is the prom episode. Is from As I'm recording this, it was two episodes ago. So if you're a Say by the Bell fan, check that out. I think you'll really enjoy it. There's a lot of good stories. You will love the Mark, Paul, and Tiffany reunion. It's good stuff. New Orleans was the site of the finish line of this season of The Amazing Race as the finale has aired, and let's talk about it. Let's talk about some of the happenings on this season finale of The Amazing Race. As I said, all teams headed to New Orleans. Everybody was on the same flight, so we're all even. Teams then got in a taxi to head over to Louis Armstrong Park, and from there they're going to head to the French Quarter, to where they're going to be in a Mardi Gras atmosphere here, to where teams are going to have to get there. They're going to have to collect beads. They're looking for necklaces. Necklaces are going to be thrown. They're having to collect them. You also have to look at your at your example up there of what of what that guy was wearing. You know, what kind of beads are you needing to collect? What kind of necklaces? So they immediately see, you know, you need to have red, you need to have gold. You have to collect 50 of each. You have to collect 50 red necklaces, 50 gold necklaces. What teams did not realize right off the bat is, because we had some teams that were collecting them, what they were not doing was paying attention to the size of the necklaces that they needed to get. They were just collecting anything of that color. So when they go over there, you know, two teams were immediately wrong. And, you know, then they realized what they had done to uh, to mess up. They realized that they needed to, you know, pay attention to the size of the necklaces that they needed to collect. And Hung and Chi were actually the ones, the first team to attempt to be right. So that's when they figured it out, you know, when they figured out they were wrong. And then Will and James figured it out on their own. They figured out that they were wrong. So what about Riley and Madison? Well, they got lost on the way to Louis Armstrong Park. Their uh, taxi driver got lost. I talk about this a lot, you know, that everything can go right on The Amazing Race. And all it takes is for a taxi driver to get lost or just something something out of your control, you know, that could cost you. And Riley and Madison are way behind right off the bat as they get lost on their way to Louis Armstrong Park. So Will and James end up leaving this task first. They're at first place as they head to their next task, which is the roadblock. The roadblock is they're in a, uh, it's in a, the king cake place, you know. It's, 
I was trying to figure this out. Is the king cake, that's the same like king cake that has the really creepy mascot. Am I I'm I'm on the right wavelength, I believe, here, where they have the really like creepy I'm gonna Google this. And this is gonna be great podcast podcast content <laughs> of me Googling stuff as we go here. As I type king cake. Yep, king cake. That's exactly it. It has the really creepy tall baby that they actually brought this baby on the set of the NBA on TNT one night and completely unsettled Ernie Johnson. <laughs> completely unsettled him. And I'm, I think everybody watching at home, I was like, this is one of the creepiest things I've ever seen. The king cake... Uh, God, it was a great segment on NBA on TNT that night. It was so funny. So there's some podcast content for you as I do a Google search to try to figure out if this king cake is the same <laughs> exact thing. So meanwhile, back at the Amazing Race, they're going to this king cake place to where they have to go, they basically have to take these cakes apart they're looking for a little tiny baby that is in these cakes and it's just a ton of cakes there and they're looking for this tiny baby it's a little plastic piece you know it looked plastic to me to where they have to find that it's basically like a needle in a haystack here is what you're doing so will and james uh, get through this first you know there's definitely a trend here will and james first and they do that they find the baby but the next, to complete the task, is you have to eat a half dozen of these pastries, uh, which was kind of a struggle, you know. If you're trying to, if you're running a race, trying to shove down, like, pastry is not probably something that's going to go well. Will and James were having trouble with this a little bit, stomach-wise and everything, trying to rush through this. So they finally get through... Hung and Chi get stuck to where Chi, so I've said before on these roadblocks, you know, only one person can, uh, can compete in the task. The other person can't help at all. So Chi's baby is actually laying on the edge of the table. And, you know, of course, Riley and Madison are there at this point too. And both of those teams are competing. And... Hung sees it. She sees it sitting there and she can't do a thing. You know, and Riley and Madison are there and, you know, and he sees it too. And it's completely frustrating because you're helpless. And she, she even said, you know, I'm trying to like do tele, telepathic communicating to him to be like, look, look at the edge of the table. So eventually Chi does see it. And he, and he said, you know, later on when they were eating the food, you know, to complete the task, he said, you know, my mess up. So that's, I was, I was expecting it to be bigger than what it actually was. So on ahead, Will and James get to the next task. And this is going to be your second roadblock. It's going to be back-to-back -back roadblocks here because it's a roadblock. Whoever competed in the first one can't do the second one. So now... We're going to switch teammates here, and the task now is that you have to basically swing off of this bridge, this bridge that goes over the Mississippi River. You're out there in the dark. It's night. So they're going to have to basically sit on the ledge of this bridge, and they're going to just jump off and your clue is right there in front of you it's it's dangling right there in front of you so all you have to do is just make a decent hop and you know grab it and swing and you're basically gonna it's basically like a bungee jump is almost kind of what it is and you're gonna swing way out into the dark and james talks about being afraid of heights you know but it's just how it ended up working out to where you know one competed on the other so now the other has to do this so on the back end of this challenge, both uh, both team members have to rappel down the bridge and get down to the bottom. So Will and James are out in front here by quite a bit. Once they get to the to the bottom, you're gonna go, you're gonna go find this gigantic ball, and you're gonna have to roll it to Mardi Gras World, which is a big warehouse. 
So at this warehouse, you are going to be searching for a crate. In that crate is basically puzzle pieces. What you're going to do is you're going to take all of these pieces. They're basically fabric. It's The pieces are basically fabric. And you're going to take these pieces to your gigantic ball. You have to attach these pieces and put it in, you know, in order. You're building a globe here. It's like basically what you're doing, you're turning this ball into a globe. So you have to have all your geography right. Make sure you have that all lined up. And of course, Will and James talk about, we practiced geography before we came on the race because we thought we might need it. Is there anything that they haven't practiced before <laughs> before this season of The Amazing Race? Because even before this, they have practiced. This one makes sense, actually. Because, I mean, well, I mean, anything geography with The Amazing Race you're going to want to do. But there's just the most random things that they have shown them practicing over the course of this season so it's just kind of funny so they practice this they get it right on the first try and they bring the judge out but the thing is the judge says you know it's good everything's right but your structure is bad basically means it's not solid enough it's not tight enough it's just too loose looking it just needs to be tightened up you know so they get the ball down they tighten all that back up, get it all good, and no drama here. Will and James are off to the finish line here. Um, the finish line takes place at the Superdome to where Phil says, you know, I'll be waiting on the football field for you along with the other teams. All the other teams are there waiting for the finish too. And it's like 10 till and we've already got a winner. Will and James are the winners of the amazing race and the million dollar prize. And that really tells you just how far ahead that they were, that even the edit didn't even show any kind of drama here in this leg of the race. So yeah, I mean, I keep watching this and they, you know, they're doing interview stuff and they're doing a lot of talking to them and, and I'm just thinking, my goodness, like, there, there's so little drama here that we've got all kinds of, like, filler time here to talk to them, you know? So, and of course the talking, too. I mean, it, it was building to something, because I was thinking that, and then we had a proposal, engagement proposal with Will and James, and I was like, oh, okay, okay, that's what they were building, too, I guess, kind of with the, with the backstory and, like, the emotion of, talking about their leg of the race and that they had just completed, you know, to finish. And we had the story, you know, where James is talking about that he's a super fan and he had applied nine to ten times to get on the show, which is incredible, you know. So he finally got on. He said he tried it with a bunch of different people, too, trying to get on. And so Will and James win easily. Very anticlimactic uh, finish here. And, you know, all that's left is Hung and Chi and Riley and Madison. There's not any drama here either. Uh, Hung and Chi, they get to, you know, the challenge with the ball. They have the same situation happen as Will and James did, where everything was right. They, their structure just wasn't good, tightened it up. And so they do that. And Hung and Chi run in. They finish second. Riley and Madison, you know, later on come in. There's no drama at all with this edit. Um, Will and James win by a lot, it, it appears. Uh, Hung and Chi finished second place by a lot, it appears. So, wow, just a very anticlimactic uh, finish to this season of The Amazing Race. Uh Goodness, I'm really trying to just kind of give overall thoughts, but really that was what I was thinking as this finale was finishing out. There just wasn't really any excitement to this uh, finish, and it was kind of fitting. I thought this has got to be like the most anticlimactic finish to The Amazing Race I've ever watched to one of the most anticlimactic seasons of The Amazing Race that I think I've ever watched. 
So it was just kind of fitting, you know, that it just, uh, usually these finales are just like adrenaline pumping. You know, when you've got these teams that are just locked, you know, trying to, trying to beat one another. So, yeah, I don't know. It, this finale was just kind of there for me. It, uh, I just, there just wasn't much excitement with it, you know, I, but again, it's like I said, there just hasn't been a lot of excitement with this season, you know, with this big alliance and, you know, I've, I've talked about the, just, uh, my thoughts on the alliance, you know, I've called this season team amazing race, you know, where it's all about your big alliance and picking off teams that aren't with you. So it's, I don't know, it's, it's a bummer that this season wasn't more exciting and that this finale wasn't more exciting because in this current uh, climate that we're in of 2020 and, you know, COVID-19 and the pandemic, it's, I don't know when we're going to get another season of The Amazing Race because there's just no way you can do it in this current climate. So, it's it's just a bummer that this wasn't more exciting, you know, because we just, we don't know when we're going to get another season of The Amazing Race. So, yeah, so that's, that's it. That's the finale of The Amazing Race. Kind of wish I had a little more excitement, you know, kind of what I'm talking about, but they're just, it was just very anticlimactic, you know, it's like, congratulations, Will and James, you know, they were strong throughout, you know, they were a strong team throughout this race, and, you know, I mean, this three-team alliance, you know, they accomplished what they set out to do, they wanted the three of them to get to the finale so they could race it out, and that's what they did. That wraps up this week's podcast, hope you enjoyed it, Take care, God bless, and thank you so much for listening.